And so let us read responsively Lord's Day 48, question and answer 123. What does the second petition mean? Your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. And now, the reading of God's word, which comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 10. Jesus here teaching about how to pray says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to it as we meditate on its meaning and significance in our lives together. Well, last week, if you're here with us, we considered that first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed Be Thy Name. And together we saw that that is calling for us to revere God's name, his character, his attributes, who he is, his glory. And it is the bedrock, we can say, to all of our praying. We must desire first and foremost that God's name would be regarded as holy, sacred in our hearts before we move on to any of the other petitions in the Lord's Prayer, which is why it's in that first place there as the first petition that Jesus mentions. We should always begin our prayers, therefore, with adoration, meditating on who God is, his greatness, his majesty, his splendor, his might, his grace, all of his attributes. We should begin our prayers meditating on who God is as he has revealed himself in his word, which is not coincidentally, uh, which is purposefully why in the Psalms, so many, almost all of the Psalms begin with a meditation on the greatness of God or some attribute of God, beginning with praise about him and what he has done. And so too, we should begin our prayers, asking that God would hallow his name in our hearts and in the world around us. Now, as we move on to this second petition, we find that Jesus wants us to acknowledge that God alone, to God alone, belongs the right and authority to rule over all things, including ourselves. And that's why we say, thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come. Now take, for example, Psalm 47, which is all about the kingship of God, his rightful authority over all things, Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy for the Lord. The most high is to be feared. We we hear that same language of hallowed, right? A great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. 
Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with the psalm. God reigns over all the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. And so in that psalm, we see that clearly God has all the right and authority and power to rule and reign over all things. This is really important for us. The kingdom of God does not belong to one ethnicity or one language or one culture. The kingdom belongs to God. The kingdom does not belong to even one church tradition or one denomination or one congregation. The church, the kingdom of God, belongs to God himself. Why? Because God alone is king. He is king. This is such an important and yet obvious point for us. The kingdom that we ask God to bring to us is not our own. Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for our own agenda in life, not the kind of world or government where we would make up the rules and run things the way we would like. No, this petition sets our hopes on a world where God rules as the supreme king over all things, where his name is hallowed, wherein his law is upheld with perfect justice and peace. And this is so important for us to remember Because for each and every one of us, God's kingdom confronts and corrects our hearts. Think of this. If right now you could, with the snap of a finger, materialize a worldwide kingdom shaped and fashioned by and around your character and your desires of your heart, your kingdom, if that could materialize like that, Your kingdom in many ways, in many aspects, would be in conflict with the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because our hearts are not fully aligned yet with the kingdom of God. Our hearts are not fully aligned yet with God's own heart and his character. We are in process. He is transforming us more and more into the image of Christ if we believe in him. And so we need the humility, this Petition is showing us that we need the humility to ask for God's kingdom to come crashing into our own hearts, challenging us to conform to his ways and his desires in life. In other words, in this petition, we're asking God to give us the discernment to want the same things that he wants in our hearts, in our church, and in the world around us. As the Heidelberg Catechism said, this petition means Rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. It implies that we do not fully submit to God as it is, and we need to submit more and more to him. You know, just before Jesus taught this prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And in that portion of his teaching he's showing us that he wants us to realign our hearts to the desires of god's to seek above all else god's righteousness peace and joy in our lives 
Not food, not shelter, not clothing, not to be consumed with worry about those things. Those basic necessities, Jesus is saying, God will provide for those things. Don't set your heart ultimately on those things. Rather, recalibrate your heart to focus on that which is eternal, not temporal and passing away. Because as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, we need to realign our hearts to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and seek his peace and his joy. For that reason, we are to lay it down at the feet of Jesus, so to speak, our own self-centered kingdoms that we are all building up. What do I mean? I mean this. We need to stop building everything that is founded upon our name, built upon our strength and raised up for our own glory. And we are all doing that in one way or another. And instead, we are to recognize the God-centeredness of life and surrender all that we do and all that we are to God and let him take the center stage in our life where he belongs. That doesn't mean that you don't work hard. That doesn't mean that you don't build things and try to achieve things in life and aspire even to a form of greatness. But it does mean that all that we do must be done for the glory of God. And for his name's sake, to the end that he would be all in all. One of my favorite contemporary Christian songs is called Take Over by Shane and Shane. I love listening to it. And the lyrics capture this concept. They say this, take over, lover of my soul, take control. I surrender. There's nothing I want more than to know you, Lord. What am I supposed to do with all my kingdoms? next to you you're the lord you're the lord but i could gain the world and more it's all nothing next to you my reward my reward it captures the the disposition of our heart that we should have that we have all these kingdoms that we're building for ourselves but when we realize the majesty and splendor and the goodness and greatness of god we could have the whole world but then we realize it's nothing next to christ and his kingdom who is our great reward. And that's what this petition is asking for. God, you take control. Take over my heart. Take over my home. Take over this world. Rule it by your grace and truth until your glory fills all in all. And why should we ask for this? Well, again, because our creator God has the absolute right, authority, and power to rule over all things. It is his kingdom, not mine, not yours. It is God's. The Lord is the most high. He is to be feared, hallowed, precisely because he is the eternal king over all things. Because it's God's kingdom, we pray, thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come. But now, as we come to the next part, after we moved on beyond thy or your kingdom, what is God's kingdom? Now, that question, it seems quite simple at first glance, but to be honest, it is actually very difficult to define. Uh, The kingdom of God is this kind of vast concept that's found in the New Testament and it reaches back and has roots in the Old Testament in different places and kind of comes together in, in a majestic way. And it's hard to kind of nail it down and figure out exactly what it means. 
We could say briefly that the kingdom of God is the manifestation of God's reign as king. Or more fully, the kingdom of God is his government in which he powerfully rules over all things, blessing his people of faith and punishing unbelievers in order to establish full justice and peace on earth as it is in heaven. And so we find that God, he is already king and ruling and reigning over all things. And yet, not all things currently are subjected to his rule in perfection. Just think of this. The fact that we are asking for his kingdom to come implies that it hasn't come in all its fullness. And it reminds us of our fallen state, doesn't it? That since the fall of Adam and Eve... Way back in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God has, in a sense, let humans run things in their own way. Of course, God has kept humanity from totally destroying his creation or destroying itself by his common grace, upholding and preserving humanity in all of creation. But we have never fully experienced what God's beautiful world could be if it were fully established under his rule as heaven is perfectly under his rule right now. And yet in life, every little taste of justice, peace, truth, goodness, righteousness that we get, each little taste of that that we get in life is a foretaste of the fullness of the kingdom of God when it shall come in its fullness. Sort of like in the darkness of night when lightning strikes and it fills up and brightens the sky for a moment and we can see things more clearly. Well, when Jesus himself in his ministry was performing miracles, healing the blind and healing the lepers, etc., those were like lightning bolts flashing and lighting up the sky, showing this is what the kingdom of God will be like when all sickness and disease and even death itself will be removed. But that fullness is not yet to come. The fullness of that light will come when Jesus returns. And that's what we are asking for, that his kingdom would come. Come from where and to where, or in the king's English, whence and whither cometh the kingdom of God, right? Well, I'm excited to tell you here that that phrase, which comes after Thy will be done, the next petition in the prayer, the phrase on earth as it is in heaven. Well, grammatically in the Greek there, it is tied as well to thy kingdom come. And so when we are asking, let your kingdom come, we are asking, let it come on earth as it is in heaven. And so from where does the kingdom of God come? It comes from heaven. And that's why in Matthew's gospel, it is called the kingdom of heaven referring to its origin it comes from heaven it's breaking in from the outside into this world jesus said himself my kingdom is not of this world and that's referring to its transcendent nature and so it must break into our world from the outside god to us not us to god and this is why it was good news that jesus came onto the scene in the first century preaching the time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent 
and believe in the gospel. Gospel means good news. The kingdom of God was coming because the king had arrived. And with him, he was bringing the power and authority of his kingdom, the power to heal and the authority to forgive sinners. His power and authority coming in grace to meet people in their need. And so in a sense, God's kingdom is already present in this world because Jesus came bringing it in his first advent and still today he rules graciously from heaven. And yet we await the fullness of God's kingdom to come from heaven because after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father and he is there ruling over us. And Paul says in Philippians 3, Verse 20 to 21, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. From it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so we see that the kingdom of God is coming from heaven. It has already come with the first arrival of Jesus and is currently present. And yet it is still to come in its fullness when King Jesus returns again and all things are subjected to him in fullness. To where shall it come or whither shall it come? On earth, on earth. And that's why, according to Second Peter, chapter three, verse three, he says, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is referring to the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven, renewing the whole cosmos, the heavens and the earth, such that the kingdom of God is present in its fullness here, as it was originally back in the Garden of Eden, restored but improved. And that's why we find at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 21 and 22, this description of God's kingdom, his heavenly city, coming down from heaven to this new and improved earth. So it's coming from God, from heaven to earth. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And so think of this, that even though God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom is not of this world, it is not originated from within this world, it is very much destined for this world. His throne, which is currently in heaven, will one one day be on earth, just as it is in heaven, in what the Bible calls the new creation. And in fact, some scholars have gone so far as to equate the kingdom of God with the new creation because the two concepts overlap so much. So, for for example, Dr. Ba, our Greek professor at seminary, said that the, the kingdom of God is the new creation, very simply put. But for now, we think of this, that before Jesus' return, what is it that we should be expecting when we ask for his kingdom to come? What should we be expecting when we petition for that? Well, when we ask for God's kingdom to come, we are praying for two things primarily, and the Heidelberg Catechism helps us there. First of all, the preservation and increase of his church 
throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel. And implied in that is defeating every foe uh, or opposition that might raise its head up against his church. In order to preserve and protect and increase his church, he has to, in that way, thwart any opposing force. And secondly, we are praying as well for the return of King Jesus, who will come to judge the living and the dead and usher in the fullness of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The author of the Heidelberg Catechism, Zacharias Ursinus, says this, This kingdom is only one in reality, but differs in the mode of its administration. It is administered differently here from what it is in heaven. It is commonly spoken of and distinguished as the kingdom of grace here on earth and the kingdom of glory in heaven. The former begun in this life and the latter perfected in the life to come. So when we pray thy kingdom come, we desire both that it may be established among us in this life, that is by grace, and that it may be brought to its highest and ultimate development in the life to come in glory. So we're praying that his kingdom would come now graciously through the work of the Holy Spirit, working through the preached word, converting people's hearts transferring them from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's beloved son, as Paul says in Colossians. And that's how it begins in this life. And yet we are also praying that Jesus would return and bring the kingdom of God to its fullest and highest development in the life to come, the full glorification of God's kingdom. And so where today is God's kingdom manifested? Well, Where do we find God's kingdom? It is visibly manifested in the church. The Westminster Confession of Faith helps us here in Article 25. The second part says the visible church, which is also the universal church under the gospel, not confined to one nation as before under the law, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. And so the visible church is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang this right before we entered into this time of meditation. We sang, I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, the church, our blessed Redeemer, saved with his own precious blood. So the church is the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God here in this world, which is an important point that we could spend more time on because the church today as an organization or institution is very much underappreciated and often attacked. And here we find that we are asking God to preserve his church, that we love his church, that we should seek It's increase in the world because through it, Christ is ruling and reigning graciously and changing people's hearts. And indeed, as we come to the close here, a few final words of encouragement. Let us remember that Christ is the one who has secured for us the kingdom of God by his own precious blood. It is not up to us to usher in the kingdom of God. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on Christ and what he has already done. And yet, as with all blessings that Christ has won for us, as with all of them, he invites us 
to earnestly and wholeheartedly pray for the coming of the kingdom of God with the promise that our Father hears us and delights to answer the prayers of his children. And so even though it doesn't depend upon us, he invites us and encourages us to pray for the coming of his kingdom. But as we pray for that and as we labor in the church to see it increase and see it preserved in the world with so much attack against it and opposition to it and the message that we proclaim, it is easy for us, I think, to lose heart in this world of darkness and chaos where God's name is not hallowed among us or around us. And so let us remember that our petition, thy kingdom come, it is attached with a guarantee from God. His kingdom shall undoubtedly come. And let me point out a few verses. Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah says of this son who was born to us, the one whom we celebrate in this season, Jesus Christ, our savior and our king, that of his government, of his kingdom, there will be no end. So take heart. His kingdom will not end. Take heart as well, he says, that it will endure from this time forth and forevermore. God promises us that. And he also promises how that will be accomplished. He said at the very end there, the zeal of the Lord will do this. He will do this by his own zeal, for his own namesake, for his glory. It is his desire to bring his kingdom. And so it shall be done. And even last Sunday morning in our first Advent uh, song, that first servant song, we heard about how as we grow faint and discouraged in our life or in the ministry of the church, we might grow faint and discouraged, but Jesus doesn't. The servant of the Lord does not. Isaiah 42 verse 2 says of Jesus, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands Wait for his law. Jesus is not discouraged. He does not grow faint or weary. He will bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And lastly, when Jesus gave his keys of the kingdom to his disciples, he told them in Matthew chapter 16, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have these sure promises that Jesus has secured the kingdom of God by his own blood, his own life, death, and resurrection, and he will bring it in its fullness, and he will protect it from every foe and opposition that raises its head against his church and us in this world. And so let us take heart, and let us, as we heard earlier, be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And with that confidence, let us continue to pray Thy kingdom come. Amen. Father God, we do indeed confess that our hearts are not fully aligned with yours and that the world and the kingdom that we would like to build is not always the one that Jesus 
has promised to bring. Lord, we ask first and foremost that you would indeed, by your word and spirit, submit our hearts more and more to you. Rule us. Graciously, we pray and ask. Continue to preserve and uphold your church and increase your church throughout the world that more might come to know you and enter into your kingdom of grace, truth, goodness, and love, and righteousness, joy, and peace. Lord, cause our hearts to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness above all else. And Lord Jesus, come quickly, return, and bring the fullness of your kingdom. Bring full justice and peace on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.